Hi, I'm Peter Gill Sheridan, and I'm a playwright and professor at Vassar College. You're listening to The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and this is The Leftscape, The Shape of Progressive Conversation. And I'm Wendy Sheridan. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 119. This season, we have been exploring the many aspects of freedom, from primordial freedoms to freedom of speech and religion to our freedom, or lack thereof, to work within political systems to create change. In our featured interview today, I talk with playwright Peter Gill Sheridan about his new play, This Space Between Us, which is opening off-Broadway today, actually, on March 9th, 2022. Exciting stuff. Very cool. And earlier in the show, Wendy is going to check in on my current creative process in the artscape. So I'm a little nervous about the conversation, but I'm sure... (laughs) It'll be great. It'll be great. (laughs) Imposter syndrome, that's all. (laughs) So this is our check-in. I haven't seen you since, I guess we talked maybe one time since uh, our last show, but I haven't seen you. So how how are you? What's up? I'm I'm doing good. Finally got my seeds in and and it was, I guess, a week ago Monday. And there's many of them that are popping their little whatever pops up first, they're they're germinating. My seeds are germinating, which I find very exciting. And, and I'm noticing, you know, my tulips are popping up and, and apparently it's a lot warmer than it's supposed to be for this time of year normally, but my plants are happy and my cats are happy. We've actually been outside on the porch in the morning, which is usually a summer thing. So that's been fun. Well, I did see my, my the first sign of spring that I consider the first sign of spring <laughs> <laughs> that uh, Rita's is open again. Oh, okay. <laughs> that is that is the sign of spring. Yeah, it, Rita's is like I guess ice cream and icy type of a store if you're not from our area, do, but they're kind of they everywhere. Sell, they? Do they sell ice cream? I always thought there was just it was just ices. No, they have ice creamy type things. Okay. And, Maybe it's just the one and, near me. I don't yeah. know. We have one. We have one in town. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's <laughs> always a, that's always a sign. The fact that Robins have been around since like, a, you know, a month ago or something, they're not really a sign of spring anymore. They're a sign of global warming. I, guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. But, uh, but in general, I'm okay. I am wanting to be outside. So I'm, yeah. that's my thing. I'm trying to be really efficient with my indoor work and, uh, try to get out there somehow yeah, and I, more. And I, I do have to mention that it's like going to be in the, it's like, an, like at my house, it's going to be like 73 degrees today, which is insanely warm for March. <laughs> and maybe it'll be warm before the, it's also supposed to rain. So <laughs> yeah, it's probably, I think we're in our second false spring right now. So it might get cold again, but. <laughs> oh yeah, I, it's going to get I, cold will, again. 
I will take it. I'm I'm going to enjoy the day. But I don't think we're getting another freeze. I, I don't know if we're getting more frost. It's going yeah. into the like the 30s, the upper good. 30s or some shit. I don't even know. Okay. Good, good. Awesome. Well, you can catch a new episode of The Leftscape every other Wednesday. Subscribe to our show on our website, leftscape.com, or find us wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you sign up for automatic downloads so you don't miss a show. And follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Leftscape. You can check out our show notes on the website, which features links for you to follow our show guests and to get more information on topics that we discuss. And while you're on our site, please don't forget to sign up for our monthly newsletter, The Leftscape Lookout. Your downloads, likes, follows, and subscriptions really, really help us grow. And if you want to go one step beyond, please leave us a review. If you can, give us five stars and a few kind words wherever you listen. And please join us over on Patreon for extra content. Your becoming a patron helps us pay for our website, remote recording, and an intern to help us keep up and keep growing. Join us at any level. Our Backstage Pass supporters at $3 per month receive a thank you package of exclusive swag, access to our special segment, We Should Be Recording This, and early bird access to events and merch we will have in the future. And we will have events in the future. We swear, oh, we bet. promise. We will. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate your support at any level at patreon.com slash leftscape. So... Uh, I guess I have a little check-in, and it and it pertains to um, our February. We should be recording this, and as my daughter was listening to our conversation as I was editing it, and I spent quite a few minutes talking about her high school experience, which apparently I got completely wrong. <laughs> so, and she took exception to it. I was yeah, talking. Remind about, me what you said, and then what I was talking about. I was talking about how she was in a high school during the Obama campaign, and she reminded me, no, that was middle school. So the fact that they didn't make them work on the election is sort of makes sense because it's middle school and not high school. So that was one thing. <laughs> so that kind of threw the whole thing off. But I did put a caveat in the show notes for that we should be recording this. And I have to, I have to say that her, she really, like her social studies teacher in high school was like one of her favorite teachers. So it obviously was not the clusterfuck I presented. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good news, actually. Yes. <laughs> that's a good rewind. And now it's time for. What is it time for? Three random facts. Yeah, it's time for three. It's time for <laughs> scrambled. <laughs> this is our oh scrambled shot. Yeah, three random facts. In 1984, a 66 cent jar of Vegemite at a Woolworths became the first product scanned at a checkout in Australia. The historic item is now on display at the chain's head of office in New South Wales. Oh, wow. That's really cool. <laughs> I like that fact. <laughs> the tiny, shiny, decorative particles of glitter we are familiar with today are popularly believed to have originated on a farm in New Jersey in the 1930s when a German immigrant invented a machine to cut scrap material into extremely small pieces. And curiously, he did not begin filing patents for machines that cut foil into what he called slivers until 1961. The specific events that led to the initial dispersal of glitter are nebulous in true glitter fashion, 
all of a sudden it was simply everywhere. <laughs> that is funny. I love how things get invented by accident. <laughs> you know, I think like, I don't know, it might be cornflakes or something that got it, that was invented by like an explosion. Really? And the way that the, the wheat dried, because they were trying oh. to make something else. And then the way that it like exploded and dried, they're like, wait, they were like flakes <laughs> now. And that became like a thing. Oh, wow. So, I don't know. I don't. I think that's a. I think that's a fact somewhere. It might be a myth, but I think it's I think okay. It has reality. So that's pretty cool. That was a bonus semi fact. <laughs> bonus um, <semi> fact. <laughs> and for this last fact, it, it's a little bit of a throwback since our our previous co-host Mary McGinley was really into Shakespeare, so she might have given a fact like this one. The phrase salad days first appeared in print in Shakespeare's Antony and Cleopatra in 1606. In the speech at the end of Act One, in which Cleopatra is regretting her youthful dalliances with Julius Caesar, she says, my salad days when I was green in judgment, cold in blood, to say as I said then. The phrase became popular in the middle of the 19th century, coming to mean a period of youthful inexperiences, inexperience or indiscretion. You see, and I thought it had to do with when you're young, you can't afford meat, so you're eating salad. <laughs> That's what I thought it meant. That's oh. why I thought it came up to be. Oh, funny. No, no that would be your ramen days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's about like, yeah, young, I don't know. It's like, yeah, green and then Oh, yeah, it's green and cold. I guess that's where it comes from. It's very weird, I guess, though. I mean, it is. It is. It is strange. But I thought it. I like I said. I thought it had to do with being young, and you're either like, you know, you need to maintain this like girlish figure, so you're only eating salad. And so funny. Like, you yeah. know, when you're married, you could just you know, let it go and just eat whatever. Oh like, you know, it, I my brain. This is where my brain was when I was little, and I heard this this expression that's funny so. and, and i and i think i just looked it up because i was like why, why do we say that that is a weird <laughs> phrase and, that's why, and this is what i found so yeah okay just odd all right well here here is uh all the news we can handle okay our first news item is about Closing arguments for the first jury trial for a January 6th rioter is happening today, Monday, when we're recording this. The defendant, Guy Refit, is the first of 750 people charged with joining the riot to face trial in Washington. His charges include carrying a semi-automatic weapon while on Capitol grounds and obstructing justice by threatening his children with harm if they reported him to authorities. And it turned out his 19-year-old son ended up turning him into the FBI, and he testified against him last week. So good yeah. for you, Junior. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was reading about this one. I, I think he said to them, like, if you turn me in, you're a traitor, and traitors get shot. Was basically his yeah. threat to them. So, yeah, that took a lot of courage for the uh, young man to turn in his dad. Indeed. But he, he felt it was the thing to do, and he was and every right. Everybody's watching this trial because he's the first one to go through the process. And I'm assuming that depending on how the jury goes is going to depend on whether some of the 750 other people waiting will take will finally take a plea deal or, or do something else yeah. or go to trial. So we'll be keeping an eye on that. 
Georgia, the country, not the state, and Moldova have both applied to join the European Union and are fast-tracking the applications because of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And Ukraine has also made a formal application to join the EU last Wednesday. There's actually quite a few countries who have applied to join the, the European Union. Uh, they are Albania, the Republic of North Macedonia, which actually ended up in a crossword puzzle recent answer recently. Um, it was a clue. And I didn't even know that was a country that North Ma the Republic of North Macedonia was actually a country. So that was, it's kind of interesting to see this in more than one place. Uh, Montenegro, Serbia, and Turkey are currently waiting to find out if they can join the EU. But Emmanuel Macron, the French president, has been vocal in stressing that given the current failure of the EU to respond adequately to the democratic deficits in Poland and Hungary, or to find a way to have coordinated foreign policy due to the rules of unanimity, there cannot be any enlargement until there have been treaty reforms. So the EU kind of reminds me of the group that you and I were in if everything has to be unanimous for them, <laughs> to, <laughs> for them to make headway. <laughs> yeah, that can take a long ass time and it can be, uh, uh, that's another story. Yeah. But it's weird but, because I think eventually what happens is some people will kind of go along. Yeah. Even well, if it's, it's not what they want, or maybe they won't, hopefully. If it's a country, speak. it's really, you know, and their position is, this is their position That's and their not, position. they need they to hold it. Yeah. Change it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the process to join the EU is rather lengthy in the first place. So um, nothing's going to happen overnight in any case with these new countries wanting to join the EU, mostly out of fear of, you know, being next in line for Russian invasion. Yeah. So Georgia and Moldova are, are afraid of that. And what I was reading in the guardian article, it can take the committee that allows countries entry into the EU 18 months to make a decision after other things have happened. When it gets to the deciding phase, it, that can take up to 18 months. So this is a yeah. slow process. Yeah. And it's really, I, I find this whole, the whole concept of the European Union to be kind of, to be very interesting because our constitution was first, was created basically as as a structure or framework for trade, interstate trading. Mm. And I kind of think the EU kind of started like that, but then now they're, they're kind of forming into this, into this um, union that is similar to the United States in some way, but it's coming in, in a, in a very different way. Cause each, each country, if you could think of them as like a state, you know, they're, but they're, but they each have their own language and culture and it's, you could kind of say that about places in America, but it's a little more uniform. Yeah. You know? I mean, we have our differences, but it's we do, but it's extreme, not like yeah. England and France or, you know, France right. and Italy and, you know, stuff like that and Sweden and Switzerland. And yeah, yeah. Well, I hope people can unite as much as possible to ward off this kind of, aggression and, and and war you know i mean if it if it works yeah i hope it works but yeah. but it, it, but whatever it is it takes time for sure yeah you know? yeah yeah things about the war it was really hard to 
talk about news other than the war stuff was just like so it's been really weighing on me a lot and i know well, it's some, also all anybody's talking about it's all anybody's talking about it's there's so many other things happening it's not even in our news thing but i, I was you know hearing and reading about people of color trying to leave ukraine and not right. being allowed to get on trains and not be able to to, to leave and and that's a that's been a really scary upsetting thing to me Yikes. The people saying like, no, it's, this is only for Ukrainians, like, you know, and, and students mostly, a lot of uh, African students getting left behind and things. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's just so many things to be upset about and things I can't <laughs> do anything about, you know. But one thing I, I, I know that we can do is to find out some of the best ways to help. And I know that some people have asked me that and I'm going to be looking into, are there groups that we can give money to or even just visibility to or something like that who are the ones that can be trusted because anytime mm -hmm. there's a disaster going on oh yeah know, there's a lot of fly-by-night fakers so oh, we want to yeah. contribute to that but that's one thing i will be looking into anyway but yeah. in terms of uh other other annoying news <laughs> the there's been this anti-trans law that passed in texas and basically it says if if a child is given any sort of medical assistance for a trans issues like that can be considered child abuse and if you see if you if you know of any parent who's doing this like you have to report them like it's 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 messed up it's very yeah really very ups. messed up at, well, right. and i think there was there was there's some some provision in that law that's preventing doctors from prescribing medication Oh right, yeah, like exactly. Hormone so blockers, if you want, or, like, or if you want like pu puberty blockers, that yeah, is you know, and like this is maybe this is controversial to say, but I I I understand the case for wanting to proceed cautiously with hormonal interventions with any, and it's it's a serious thing, no matter who it is, you know. So I get I get that there's a there's a reason to be to consider it, you know, when you're mm -hmm. going for things like that. But this kind of a saying like, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, a abusive and wrong. And like, that's just, that's fucked up. But, you know, I mean, there's a big difference between like no. considering it with you and your, and your child and your family and these kind of just like truly just transphobic things. It's, yeah. I mean, well, ridiculous. one would, one would hope that, the medical professionals would be prescribing things in a in a in a proper context yes yeah you know, they're not going to be frivolous about this right exactly and case in point people are really questioning it so the american academy of pediatrics and the american medical association among other groups have released statements condemning the states states like texas for attempting to block transgender youth from accessing medical treatment so that is really good mm. And following Abbott's letter, uh, the Governor Abbott's letter, multiple district attorneys throughout Texas stated that they would not be investigating parents or medical providers, and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services announced it would work to protect the rights of transgender children in Texas. So that is really, that's really the, the core of it, you know, that yeah. it's, you need to, and I think you're right that most doctors are going to be appropriately cautious and 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 yeah. working with people to find out what they really do need at that 
at that age. And it's not the governor's business to declare it, you know, child abuse because yes, that's ridiculous. I, I, yeah. But what I'm, what I'm coming to realize with a lot of laws like this and also like the voting laws that have been passed over the past year or so since the election is that once something has been signed into law, it is much harder to get it rescinded than it is to kill the bill before it goes to a vote. Right. You know, and this Texas law, it's like, that's great that there's a lot of, you know, DAs in at the county level who aren't going to pursue this, but that doesn't mean that all of them won't. And it also doesn't mean that they won't be compelled to later on. Right. They've already had their first, at least one family investigated, I know. Oh. And I think that they were, they deemed that they would leave them alone for now or something, but it's still, it's kind of, it's already happening, which is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's not like, you know, the, the child protective services isn't overworked already. Right. Exactly. You know, with, with like, real issues. With, with like, yeah, with much more. Yes. With real issues and not this made up stuff. Right. So. Right. But one of the things you just said was a callback to um, our conversation with Helena Brooke last show where yes. <laughs> she said that, yeah, get, killing a bill is a lot easier than getting one rescinded. You know, signed or, yeah, or, or, well, or in, yes, in, his, or in her case, yeah, getting, rescinded. Yes, exactly. So, uh, so anyway, speaking of bad bills in this case, <laughs> the don't say gay bill in Florida has another ridiculous thing right and that really curtails like what a teacher can talk about in the classroom even to the point of like not being able to acknowledge a child's same-sex parents or right i mean this is the one this is the one it hasn't passed yet right this one can still be killed or is it now law i let me think i think it's still a bill i think it's okay i think it's just a bill yes it's only a bill uh, <laughs> so we can't kill it. <laughs> but um but i yeah but i have a an article from the hill we can check on it that i will post in our show notes but basically there was a student walkout on i believe thursday before we were recording this hmm. and so that was like a statewide action that took place and then jack pet 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 I can't say his name. Patak. Patosi. Yeah. Pitozzi? I don't think I don't think I don't that's know. how you say it. I know um, it's not. But anyway, this kid Jack. <laughs> Jack P. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On Twitter. And he's from the Flager Palm Coast High School and he's a senior. And he organized the protests on, on social media. He called the bill homophobic and discriminatory and commended students across the state for pushing back against regressive legislation like don't say gay. And his quote was, we must let our politicians know that no matter how hard they try, they cannot suppress our identities and silence our voices. Gen Z will not stand by, stand idly by as our rights are stripped from us. It is now up to you to decide which side of history you will be on, the side that empowers us or the side that seeks to erase us. And I thought that was a great statement. Yeah. And he was, right after the protest at his school, he was taken out and suspended um Aww. so he was he was suspended without like indeterminately you know they're just right so but he's that's you know what he made a statement and i see a i see a leader happening so that's good yeah 
And in uh, local New Jersey news, this is a, a little add-on I'm, I'm reminded of because we kept talking about killing bills and passing bills. Uh, there is a bill right now before the Assembly and the Senate. It is Senate Bill S-1290 and Assembly Bill 208. And if you live in New Jersey, call your call your local people and and support this bill this is the this is the bill to give the poll workers a raise mm. from $200 a day to $300 a day and it's a long freaking day starts at 5:15 in the morning and it goes until the polls are closed you know if they get if they're open later than 8 you'd stay and they haven't had an increase in poll worker pay for 30 years Oh wow! Yeah, I think so, they're due for a pay, a pay yeah, raise. Yeah. I, I mean, mean last what year, you have to put up with now. Yeah, last year, um, the governor did through executive order pay the poll workers the new amount, but they're trying to legislate it. So you know, if you do live in New Jersey, call your state representatives and tell them to pass this bill or that you support the bill. Yeah, this is an important part of yeah how our system works. So. And the UK has introduced a campaign to combat global warming, and it asks people to sign up to take the following six shifts for one, three, or six months. And these six things you can do, and this kind of, this is like what an individual can do to help reduce your carbon footprint on the planet. Uh, the first thing is to eat a largely plant-based diet with healthy portions and no waste. The second one is buy no more than three new items of clothing per year. And I know for some people that would be quite the sacrifice. Uh, um, the third one is to keep electrical products for at least seven years. Uh, and I would be very happy to do that if they wouldn't break before that. Right. Um, and four would be take no more than one short haul flight every three years and one long haul flight every eight years. Uh, the fifth one is to get rid of a personal motor vehicle if you can, and if not, keep hold of your existing vehicle for longer. And the last one is to make at least one life shift to nudge the system like moving to a green energy or insulating your home. And their analysis of data has found that these six steps set out above could cut global emissions by between 25 and 27%. So if everybody's on board with this, this would make a significant dent in our footprints. So just something wow. to think about. Yeah, they are, they are all good to think about. And yeah, I don't, I, yeah, I buy more clothes than that. I don't, I, I'm not a, I don't, shop for clothes a lot but that's something that's to think like do i really need a new thing or can i yeah am i okay you know because <laughs> it's i very, know it's very easy to just be like hey that's cool i'm gonna buy that and it's like yeah why you know yeah well i i just i just did that with i just got leggings and bike shorts and i, I actually want to get more because they have pockets Right. Oh yeah, I saw your post. They have pockets. So it's like it's like I'm upgrading to pockets on my pants. Ooh. Yeah. But thinking about keeping things longer, if you do buy it, then yeah, make well, sure it's something you'll want, you know, and hopefully will they'll last. That's that is the, the issue yeah with things. yeah indeed indeed. And our final news item for the day is a little bit of a woo, <laughs> a woo <laughs> article. Woo um, news. 
Yes. That should be a segment. <laughs> <laughs> Prediction of, of dark forces being unleashed by an evil vixen hung over social media in Japan on Monday after a famous volcanic rock said to kill anyone who comes into contact with it was found split into two. According to the mythology surrounding the Seshom Seike, or Killing Stone, the object contains the transformed corpse of Tamamo no Mei, a beautiful woman who had been part of a secret plot hatched by a feudal warlord to kill Emperor Toba, who reigned from 1107 to 1123. Legend had it that her true identity was an evil nine-tailed fox whose spirit is embedded in the hunk of lava located in an area of Tochigi Prefecture near Tokyo, which is famous for its sulfurous hot springs. Oh, so this was not like in a... It was like still in this natural setting, this rock. Yes. Okay. Yes, and, and it's, it's actually cool it was actually like a a, a bit. It, it the rock itself was like a famous rock that people like a tourist attraction that people would go see. So when it split open, everyone's like freaking out. Oh, so now but she's also, free and roaming the world like a coup or something. Except, <laughs> yes, except that a few hundred years ago, there's also if you if you're starting to research this legend about this rock and and the kitsune, the nine tailed fox that is imprisoned in there the demon that's imprisoned in there that that a pre a monk like a couple of hundred years ago supposedly did some rituals around it to disperse the demon and get rid of it you okay. know so so it may or may not have been released into the world so depending on the this particular monk's <laughs> like uh strength of his ritual we'll find out yeah. right yes wow. and, and that's so, fun. That's, that's an interesting one. That's all the news we're going to handle today. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by Feminism. Are you tired of conforming to gender norms that don't really fit who you are? Have you been frustrated in meetings by having others repeat what you just said and have the room react as if it's the first time they'd heard it? Are your loan rates higher and your salary lower than the guy sitting next to you in the office? Are you unable to express your emotions without being ridiculed? Maybe it's time to ask your doctor about feminism. Side effects might include empowerment, equal pay, respect, being seen, and being heard. Ask your doctor or therapist if feminism is right for you. Or you can just decide for yourself. And now, back to our podcast. Welcome to the Artscape, where we interview each other about our arts and processes and things like that. And today, I get to interview Robin. So Yay. welcome, Robin. <laughs> Hi, I'm here. Hi. So what is your artistic pursuits uh, du jour? So tell me that. What are you up to? Yeah. So I am finally getting my brain to write songs. Hooray! Which is a good thing. <laughs> and it's much overdue. And it's really, it's necessary in my soul, you know, uh -huh. to be doing this. So I'm glad that that's happening. Um, I've got, I've been still like, well, I'm about to drop a bunch of money on on some software to compose 
okay. electronics and stuff like that. I'm looking at Ableton Live, and I'm I'm it, I've got to get it today actually. Okay, but my impulse is still to write from guitar, and I'm going to see how that changes once I have a whole bunch of sounds at my disposal. But mm -hmm. for now, I have one song that's like, I think it might be like "Hello, My Friend." I think it's going to be called "Hello, My Friend." And it's kind of a slowish, new wavy beat kind of a song that has, it's sort of about parasocial relationship type of a thing. Okay. So it, I guess it's like every breath you take-ish in some ways, <laughs> <laughs> something like that. But, but maybe a little less, that might be creepy, a little less, it's both. It's a mix of things okay. like that. Um, and another song which I think it's just called Swagger, which came out of the first song. I was like working on the one riff and then it was like, wait, this is more funky. This is something else. And then I realized <laughs> that's a different song, you know? So it's cool. It's cool and exciting. And I feel like I haven't quite gotten the, I sort of have main riffs, mm -hmm. but there are changes that are missing. And I'm... Well, one of, the, one of the things, there's a couple of things about songwriting. Well, one of the things is that there is that point of inspiration where I, I get these big ideas of just like this flash of like, okay, this, oh, wow, this is the tune. I, I get it now, you know, when it clicks in and I know that mm -hmm. there's a song there, which is great. And then there's a lot of craft involved with like taking that idea and then fleshing it out and making it complete somehow. And I feel like I'm... I don't know. Like they're missing pieces. Like they're still. Okay. And I don't know if I'm being, if it's because I'm being lazy about it or if I'm not sure the, of the process I need to do to make those things work. I think sometimes it's just playing, just playing the riff for an hour and then the thing will come, you know? Uh huh. So the first song, I basically know the second song is, I guess because it was an offshoot, it's, less there okay you know but i kind of know it and the and the quality of these tunes it's um i want it to be a little a little bit carefree like not as i don't know if it's not as lyrically dense i don't think that's the word but it can be a little bit fun and frivolous okay and i don't want to take myself as seriously as i have in some points you know uh-huh so that's so are these quality. are these songs coming from the music first or the lyrics first or sort of a combo? Like the uh, first song that you said is mostly is like pretty much there. Did that start with the music or with the lyrics? Lyrics. Okay. And the yeah. second one is starting from the music. Right. Yeah, actually, because it, yeah. It yeah. Grew out of the, so that, the music that could be why time. you're having an issue because you, I don't know. Do you normally work lyrics first, then music? It's not that simple. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I think probably by by a short amount of time, mm. like words tend to show up in my brain. Like I just get these very strange word combinations. Sometimes I have to like get them down really fast because I'll I'll lose it, you know. And they come out of dreams often. Oh, cool. You know, but sometimes melody and words come together. But often it'll be like a phrase or an idea, and then. But then music can follow it really quickly, like a certain a melody, you know. Mm -hmm. But I want to enhance those melodies because those melodies that I'm coming up with right now feel a little boring. Like it's not, 
like I want to write music that I know I would love to hear. Okay. And sometimes, sometimes I think it's almost there. Like this is the first song is like almost there, but it's not quite there. Okay. So I'm worried about it, but I'm not. I shouldn't worry about it. I mean, it's no. gonna happen. So yeah. So let me let me ask you a little bit because you talked about you're getting Ableton, and I've heard the name. Is that a digital audio workstation? Is that what yeah. that is? Yes. Yes. Okay. Exactly. And you have looked at the plethora of DAWs, which is the acronym that people in the in who are composers use for that turn that software right um you've looked at all of them and that's the one you picked or you looked at two of them and that's the one you i've looked at a few of them and this is the one that i i think is cool and i also talked to someone who i know very well and trust and he said he recommended it so that's that's something and it really does it, it mean it does a lot of things you know just to be able to record and arrange. And um, it, they just came out with their 11, which has a lot of extra stuff so that you can do things like play a bunch of takes. Well, you could do this before, but I think it's, they made it a lot simpler to play like several takes of something mm. and to pick the, the, the minute, like the best pieces of each one. And it's just really easy to, okay. to synthesize those kinds of things. There's like, if you get the deluxe one, I mean, there's just like thousands and thousands of sounds, which is great. <laughs> you know, there's yeah, like the I mean, standard and then there's like the, the super charged. Right. Version. But I mean, you can buy sound libraries aside from that and they'll work in there, right? That, that's, I assume so. That's actually, okay. that's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is the other thing, you know, I feel like, I feel so foolish in terms of like setting things up. Like I, you know, I've, I've got a new mic and I've got like a, a mixing board or I've just got a bunch of things and it's, and it feels like a whole bunch of things that I've got to like, I've got to learn about each one of them and get it set up and <laughs> not feel so intimidated. You're turning, in, you're turning into a recording engineer. I Well, that's <laughs> the thing. I need, I need to turn into a recording engineer and I feel completely not good at it. <laughs> I, don't even, I mean, I feel like I, I know so, so little that I know, I knew the things I needed to buy and I did a bunch of research and talked to people and stuff. And, you know, there's just always more. So I'm like looking at stuff going, uh, where do I start? Okay. Let me, yeah, it's, 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 Yes, I understand. I mean, this this entire discussion could get very, very geeky and technical very, very quickly. Right. And I don't want <laughs> to do that to our listeners, but okay. I, mean, I, I will totally be asking you questions. <laughs> I will be asking you questions just to, to know, get set up and stuff. So, yeah, so that's that's that. And one of the things I've been really looking at is what kind of a system, because there are, there are setups just for podcasting Yeah, that are really recommended and stuff. And that was... I was like, well, that's fine, but I need that's something not what that's you're doing. You need well, I need something fidelity. that's good for podcasting and music, yeah. and so you know, I I sort of decided to look beyond that, and so that's that, and it probably is going to lead to a new computer soon because I feel <laughs> like I want a workstation that can just stay put, you know, mm. and because if I'm in the middle of recording a song and I don't want to 
undo everything because I have to go sit somewhere on a cafe and interview someone or do SEO. Oh, you mean like plug, unplug everything from the the laptop? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm thinking about that, but I, but what I did learn about Ableton is that I can, it can be on two computers. So you can have like your live touring laptop or whatever, and then Mm -hmm. you're set up at home. So I could have it on both. And then, Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. I don't know that what I have, I'm using something that I think is probably much cheaper than Ableton. And that's why I bought it in the first place. And I just kept, I use acid pro. That's a, a, a DAW, a digital works audio workstation. They all operate very, very similarly. So once you get adept at one of them, I mean, basically you're looking at audio, a, a whole row of audio tracks at the waveforms and you electronically cut them and paste them and move them around and manipulate them in various ways right. that it, it, that is similar to how you used to have to use magnetic tape. Back yeah, I love that days. aspect of it too. It's just like, wow, this used to be yeah, other thing. <laughs> no, I <laughs> used know? to I remember actually having to cut tape with a razor blade and cut out a piece and tape it back together with tape to right. get to get an edit in on an audio track. I mean, you don't always have to do that. And if you're doing multi-track stuff on one piece of tape, you really can't. But anyway, we don't use tape anymore, thankfully. We can do this all digitally now. It's kind of like audio Photoshop for audio files. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and, mean, I've done a little bit of that. It, that doesn't intimidate me as much as just which interface do I need and to make sure <laughs> the mic is, you know, compatible with what it's going into. And that that's the stuff that I yeah. kind of silly about. And that's I feel silly, silly that I that it's not something that I've... I've always worked with engineers and I love working with engineers and that's also, and I also realized for myself to even progress as a writer, I can't always be with someone and I don't want to be with someone all the time. Mm So it's about getting all these things together. And once it's set up, it'll be good and then I'll learn more and it'll be fine. But it's, it really has been, uh, it's like one of those things of just walking through the scary part. Yeah. Because it's like I can avoid it and I can like think about, oh, I have to do this. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I'll do it next week or whatever. And it's like, no, I need to I need to do this. So I'm just doing it. And it's it feels like I don't know what I'm doing. And that's fine because I'll learn and it'll be yeah. okay. It's yeah. Always you always start not knowing what you're doing. Always. But right. the thing the thing about nowadays is somebody on YouTube has already put up a tutorial. Right. For anything. And you know, it, which is great. <laughs> it, oh it's yeah, I fixed my lawnmower. I've done gardening. I've done yeah, so I can actually. And so I you'll did, be able to hook up your studio. Yeah, It'll I be, did actually just in terms of deciding what versions of things I needed to buy and stuff. I I did consult YouTube a bit about it. So <laughs> so that's cool. But so one of the you know this has been kind of a big thing that's been weighing on me, like getting set up and deciding where how I want to set up my studio office and if I want to you know, there's just logistics. But the other thing that I've been realizing, which is not new, of course, is that there's never a perfect time for anything. No. So that's what I've just been reminding myself to con- to continue to keep moving. 
you know? Yeah. Because it's like, there's always 10 other things I could or quote in big quotes should be doing <laughs> that's going to keep me from setting up my stuff or, or from writing. And I'm, and I'm, I'm not allowing that to happen anymore. So I'm really good spending time with my guitar, spending time, even if I'm doing something else, like, cause I, I mean, exercise is really important to me too. And that's been something that has been missing. So being out walking, like on a day like today, I'm not going to miss this day, you know? Right. So I can be out walking or gardening, but still keeping those words in my head mm -hmm. and having lyrics pop up, you know? Oh yeah. I used to listen to, um, rough tracks on my daily commutes mm. and you know i'd listen to them over and over and I'd go okay this part i don't like this part or this i need to eq things differently or i need to bring up this instrument or bring it down because the bass is too loud or something like that so it would always i would always be you know on the in what i would consider like spare time you know when you're doing something like driving is really a very good time for that except for when when you have the flash of an idea and you can't <laughs> you can't write it down or or document it in any way and then by the time you get to a place where you could stop and do that it's gone from your head um that's happened to me i had the weirdest experience when i wrote or i don't know if i wrote it or wrote it or received it or whatever you want to call it shivo <laughs> shivo hum uh-huh i was on the George Washington Bridge. Uh, and I was like, oh my God, that's it. Uh, what do I do? Wait, I can't forget this. <laughs> and I think I actually, I turned on the recorder on my phone or something. Uh -huh. I just figured out, how, I just reached for the phone and found the button, you know, enough to click it on and just start singing <laughs> and without causing a hazard or driving off the edge or anything. <laughs> that's good. But it was a little bit scary because it was like, it was getting an idea, but it was also feeling like completely entranced and engrossed. Uh-oh. <laughs> where <laughs> it's like a little bit, yeah, I was like feeling like pretty ethereal, but I'm on this like major bridge. Yeah, and I can't that bridge is up. not where you want to <laughs> space out. <laughs> right. It was, a, it was an interesting, it was an interesting moment. I will Were say. you heading into the city or out of the city? I think I was heading, God, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> But it wasn't into, it was, it was not, I wasn't going into the city. I was going okay. beyond somewhere. So, okay. But yeah. That's a whole mess of getting off of there and into. Yeah, I know. But if you're heading the, into the city, the exit there is really. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Thankfully I was not doing that. I was trying to bypass all of it. Oh, so you're getting like on the, on one of the expressways, right? I know. Right. Where, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, that was interesting times. And that is, yeah, that's an important thing. Like I'm really. I take seriously like capturing those, those flashes. Yeah. Because those are the ones that feel like the most gold to me. Indeed. Yes. 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 Uh, I... um, like my bride came to me like that. Okay. And that was a title first thing mm. where I was like in a, in a mall and I was like, and I said to my friend, my bride, don't let me forget <laughs> that. He's like, okay. And he told, he said it to me back later on because I had forgotten it. It was, you know, uh-huh. But I'm really glad that yeah that stuck around. <laughs> All of us are glad that that one stuck around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so new so you songs don't have, that what's that? 
do you have a, a timetable for this or is this just one of these it's going to and it's going to blossom as it does and just when you get enough for an album you'll publish it or is that or do you have like a more scheduled plan i have a mental wellness schedule okay that for my for my psyche i want to have substantial stuff done by the end of april oh wow that's and it's not going to be an it won't be a fully fleshed but but i want to have a body of work that feels like okay this is my this is my project this is what's happening to have a Mm -hmm. couple things like really fully formed you know wow that's fast yeah but it's important i mean even if it's just even if it's all demos but to know that this is the this is the project this is what i'm working on you know that feels really important to me i don't i don't know how it will be released you know that's the one Mm -hmm. thing because it doesn't have to be that traditional like album concept kind of thing i think it i think it's i would like that kind of a amount of work and something that holds together kind of thing Mm -hmm. but i you know i mean am i going to record it all at home am i going to bring in other folks at some point am i gonna i I don't know those questions you know okay answers so and again you know i guess it's all digital at this point there's a lot of questions you know (laughs) but that i think i am feeling excited about that and just feeling like there's new stuff in there that's coming out and it's um i hope it's fun i hope it's fun in a way you know not not all of it i mean it'll be moody because it's me you know but (laughs) but i hope some of it is is not so much okay and that's a little scary too but that's okay yeah well maybe uh i can convince you to do an early release on our patreon for the podcast at some point unless you want (laughs) you're going to save it for your robin renee patreon if you have that i don't even know yeah i don't i was thinking of dropping a tune or two on my fan page at some point Mm. but there could be a there could be a patreon exclusive for leftscape too doesn't have to be exclusive just maybe a week two weeks a month something yeah 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 okay i don't know something i'll think about it (laughs) and we'll see what see what tunes come out that would make the most sense for that Okay. So, well, I awesome. hope you'll let me listen to it at least at some point. So, yeah, yeah, I would feel I usually don't put things out until they're fully formed, but you could hear my crappiness okay. <laughs> until it's <laughs> I had uh I had origin I had years ago put up a was a blog spot blog where I was going to be releasing like really, really rough tracks and little snippets of things. And, and honestly, that's like my SoundCloud is full of that. Oh, wow. Cause that's all I've ever, that's all I've been doing for basically since I released my last album in 2005. So it's been a while and I just do snippets and it's just there. I haven't really done anything with those cause I've been more into the visual stuff these days than audio. So yeah. I love your, your, I feel like sometimes I feel a little bit 
at a loss because I feel like it takes me longer to produce something fully. Like you could draw something and it's cool and you could just put it online. <laughs> People see it. For me, I'm like, ah, it's, it's, it percolates longer than that, you know? Yeah. Well, but poetry, I guess I can do like that. Some of yeah. my, my writings can come out a little quicker. So yeah, there you, you go. Know. Yeah. You can put lyrics up. You can put poems up. Yeah. That's one thing. That's another aspect of my writing that has not been as active, but but I love it. And actually, April's coming, so maybe I'll do the rapo rimo. What do they? How do they say? Is that, that a thing? Rapo rimo. I raparimo. The <laughs> raparimo. Po, the poetry one. Yes, it's in April. I didn't know there was a poetry one. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that's I, the quote. Yeah, the nano rimo is the. Novel, yeah, that's the novel November, writing. Right? Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. and yeah, the second shortest month. <laughs> right. I'm still, I'm still pissed off that they gave Black History Month the shortest month of the year. That just pisses me off. It is. I mean, people say it as a joke, but it is kind of stupid. <laughs> yes, I I, it, they say it as a joke, but uh, you know, it's like, well, all right, we're. But it's also month? true, right? Yeah, let's pick a month. <laughs> that's funny. Oh, man. Anyway. anyway, thank you for, <laughs> I'm really grateful for this segment too, because it really makes me assess what I'm doing. Yeah. Okay. You I know? also, you know, if you wanted to write some kind of short essay about your, your eventual setup, I would be interested. I would, I, I would just be interested to know what your studio setup is at some point. Cause mm -hmm. that's, you know, I'm geeky that way. And yeah, no, I, and I would ask you, questions and yeah I'm happy to share and we can okay figure it out <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm always into people's home studios <laughs> cool. i've been doing i've been doing that shit since oh my god since like 1980 <laughs> so i mean my first home studio was two cassette decks completely separate cassette decks and i would bounce stuff back and forth and it would sound terrible oh i totally did that Everybody, I think everybody. Yeah, did that. yeah, that was. <laughs> I guess I never thought. Of, I guess that was my home studio. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Oh man! All right. Well, I'm okay. looking forward to sharing more. As it, yeah, as it grows. Awesome. Hey, I'm Lisa Yancey, entrepreneur, sister, daughter, amazing friend and tribe, you know, all things that make us who we are. And you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversations. It's a place where you can interrogate, hear, challenge, and learn. I am very, very happy to have with me here today, Peter Gill Sheridan, who is a playwright and professor at Vassar College. His new play, This Space Between Us, is running off Broadway by Keene Company at Theater Row on 42nd Street, running now through April, April 2nd, 2022. And, I, and for full disclosure, Peter is my nephew, and I, <laughs> but I'm really, really proud of him, and we really need to, everyone needs to come see this play. Anyway. Welcome, Peter. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Hi. Hi. That's where the Sheridans are. The Sheridan, the Sheridan matchup. 
<laughs> so tell us why we would want to go see this play if we are not related to you. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do a lot of that these days, talking about that these days. Well, I, you know, I originally wrote the play in 2017. That was when I wrote the first draft. And it was obviously right after the Trump election. And I, I'm, I'm, the part of me that isn't the Sheridan, the Gill part is my Cuban part, my Cuban family. And my Cuban family, who there are some members of that side of my family who I'm very close with, were also very conservative. And they went from being sort of ordinary Republicans to psychotic Republicans. And <laughs> I, I really struggled. I really struggled because I was looking at these people and I thought, these are people that I love very much. Um, and I don't know how to square their views with who they are as people. I was also looking at some of my liberal friends and finding them frustrating as well um, in terms of just the way that they were talking to me and talking to each other. I just found myself feeling really isolated, you know, and I wanted to, so I wanted to write a play about that feeling and write a play about the moment, but I didn't want to write a play about Trump because I felt like what could be said that hasn't been said already about Trump. So I'm going to not, you know, his name is not allowed in, in, in my play at all. And, and, and in fact, there are even some like news, like there's like a news clip, um, not news clip, like a news zipper that happens in the play okay. as part of the set. And uh, there was, I had, to, I banned all Trump from that. There's a Rachel Maddow clip in there that, that had to, I, we had to find one with, where she didn't say <laughs> Trump. So I just didn't that want any Trump in yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, um, so my play is actually a comedy, and it's about this guy who decides he's going to leave his very cush life in New York and move to Africa to essentially donate himself to the cause, um, to a cause in Eritrea. And his family thinks he's nuts, and hilarity ensues. And so they all are sort of fighting for him to stay, and, and, and that's kind of the, the premise of the piece. Oh, it sounds great. Uh, we're going to go see it. Uh, the fam is going to see it uh, on March 20th. So anyway, uh, we have yeah. our tickets. <laughs> if my 89-year-old grandma can make it, everyone can make it. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Did we see part of this play during the pandemic on Zoom? Did you do, is that what? Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, the play was developed first by P73, this um, other off-Broadway theater company that I really love. And they really helped shape this current draft. Um, and then last summer, I decided to move the play with their blessing over to Keen Company because Keen Company was interested in producing it now. So, um, you know, bird in hand, let's get it going. And oh, the other, yeah, so so that's 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 um, how I ended up with Keen. And they're, they've been just as fantastic in developing the play. Have really, have really, they're very rigorous. And they, I think I've written like 35 drafts of this play. Like I've written <laughs> a lot of drafts. So, um, and so most of them, what, same. last week? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, during the rehearsal process, I did a new draft every morning. So it was really, yeah, I mean, you know, you learn so much from actors and they they come in and they, you know, when suddenly you're hearing your words actually spoken by someone who knows what they're doing, you're like, oh, that scene is no good. I had to change it right now. If that actor can't do it, no actor can do it. So so it's been pretty cool that way. That's really that's really interesting about the writing process. The play is about sort of the space between people and and their sort of political viewpoints and how they how they sort of exist in the world but it's not really a play where where there are 
you know, people arguing throughout the play like a particular political point. There are there are people who hold political perspectives and that kind of informs how they behave in the play. But it isn't necessarily a play that is so much about sort of saying like, oh, here's how to repair your relationship with your, you know, your uncle who has, you know, fucked up beliefs or whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But it is more about, I think, I think the play is actually asking liberals the question because of course, most people who go to the theater are liberals, right? So at least in New York City, right? And I, I, I think the play is really asking a question about, the degree to which we're willing to actually do something in the world, if that makes mm. sense. I felt okay. like during during the, the Trump years, I was just sitting there watching the TV and thinking, why am I just watching TV and scrolling through Facebook all day? Like this is how this is how they get us, you know, like this is how, <laughs> right? Like I'm I'm sort of deactivated, right? Like how do I how do I activate? How do I like let go of all these sort of digital addictions, right? And actually do something in the world. Now in my play, I can fantasize about picking up and moving to Africa. I, Peter, am not doing that. But <laughs> the the character wrestles a lot. He's the character, the main character is gay like me. And he wrestles a lot with what it looks like to be charitable as a gay man in particular, and particularly a gay man who's also biracial, who's, you know, who's, who's my, my, um, my character is biracial, like me, is Cuban, but he looks a little more Cuban than I do. And he wrestles with like, how do I, how do I, what do I look like in the world? How do I fit into the world? Can I go to Africa as an out gay man and actually do something? Or will I be sort of shunned? Will I not be able to actually do anything? Is sending money enough? Is it? Maybe it is. You know, maybe it's better to send money. Maybe don't go to Africa. Maybe just send money. <laughs> in fact, one of the lines in the play by his best friend is like, Jamie, please send money like a normal person. Um, you know, so so it's really, I think the play really gets into that more than anything. And, you know, he comes, the main character comes up against his father who came from Cuba as a young man and who essentially came from poverty and sort of wondering why his son would want to thrust himself back into a position of discomfort. And it's, it's ultimately, I think that's, you know, looking at my like Cuban family, I'm like, you know, they really come from a different worldview. They came from Cuba. Like they left a communist country, right? They're refugees of a communist country. And, and they believe that if the country goes the way of the left, then we're going to become like Cuba. Right. I think that's misguided, but that is what they think. And it's very, very hard to to budge that point of view. Mm. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I hope I hope your Cuban family can figure out the difference between communism and socialism, although people <laughs> people in this country are are always conflating that. And that makes me crazy because yeah. they're not the same. And especially the Bernie Sanders democratic socialism, you know, that is not, not, it's not Cuba. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and that's a, it's a really, it's a willful conflation. That's what they're being told as well. You know? Well, yeah. Yeah. That's just arriving at that point of view. They're, they're, they're hearing that information all over the place. Yes. Yeah. Do you actually, do you get into the influence of, of like Fox news and other conservative media in this play or is is that just yeah. sort of subtext that's sort of that we're because we're aware of it and it's just you kind of figure oh these guys must be 
you know, listening. Yeah, I do get I do get into it a, a little bit. There's a a line in the play where a son asks his retiring father, you know, what are you going to do? Are you just going to sit around shooting guns and letting Tucker Carlson turn you into a lunatic? Um, so there are some, there are a couple, a couple of Fox News digs, but, and, and, you know, the news is part of the landscape of the play, I think, but it's, it's not a play about media per se. Okay. Yeah, and, and I it sound these quotes that you're throwing out, I I'm envisioning some of them now on t-shirts. So <laughs> my favorite line in the play is that his best friend, who is a biracial woman as well, who runs a who runs his you know a magazine in the play, he says to her, you know, they're having this fight about whether they're white or not, and um, <laughs> he says to her. Uh, um, you know, the only time that you're Asian is when you're, you know, lodging a complaint against management. And she says, bitch, I am management. Um, and it's my favorite line. And that, that's the t-shirt that I want. I want a bitch, I am management shirt. <clears throat> so. <laughs> so actually, what have you had, is it, is the play officially open yet or are you still in previews? We're still in previews. We open next Wednesday, March 9th. Um, so oh, that will be the day the show airs. So, oh, perfect! Wow. The show is airing on opening night. So. <laughs> yes, I love it. That's amazing. So you have you have time to make uh, to make the t shirts for sale in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, always entrepreneurial, Wendy. Always. Yes, I'm always <laughs> I'm always looking for that t shirt angle. You know. It's, <laughs> I feel like bitch I am management is very difficult to fit onto a mug because I was going to get the stage <laughs> manager that gift. It's too long for a mug. So I was thinking about a, a water bottle because it, okay. it could run the length of the water bottle. Yeah, but you could do two lines. Yeah, that's true. I could I could actually I could fit that on your on a mug for you if you need that. So <laughs> Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> yes, your your aunt is a graphic designer. I could yes. fit anything onto anything. <laughs> <laughs> Whether it's readable is a whole other is a whole other question. Yes. Right, right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's another T-shirt. I can fit anything onto anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I'd wear that one out in public. Though. Right. All right. All right. This is me getting off topic, like I do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so after this successful run of your play and then, and all of the fame and glory that goes for it. What's, yeah. uh, do you have another one in the works or are you going to take a break? Or are you just going to concentrate? I, I should tell me, tell me what, what's yeah. next after, after April. Well, yeah. Well, this is my second year teaching at Vassar. And so I am actually producing a new play festival at Vassar um, that features full, four fully produced uh, productions by my playwrights who are seniors, my graduating seniors. Oh, wow. And so they're running, the four plays are running in rep and they're actually in tech right now, just because of course, nothing ever happens on its own. When any kind of success happens in the theater, it all happens at the same time so that you can absolutely be driven crazy by the amount of work <laughs> that you have to do in a given day. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I'm going to have to sort of shift my focus after the play opens next week back to school to get my students ready for their their big moment. And the festival runs the final two weekends of my play in the city. So I'll be oh, literally running back and forth between New York and Poughkeepsie, uh, where Vassar's <laughs> located, 
to uh, to get my kids underway. And and actually, it's like it's bringing me such joy to do that because it sort of helps me kind of keep my own sort of my own work and my own and my own feelings when people react to the work in perspective because I'm seeing them go through it and I'm <laughs> sort of helping them through it. Right. So I'm hearing my own advice when I'm talking to them. So oh, that's, that's really funny. that's really like after the show closes, I've really got to turn my focus um, to school. And then and then, yeah, I have another play called Useful People, which is about three old women who live in a senior citizen building who are dealing opioids so that's, <laughs> that's called useful people okay. and and i hope you know i'm gonna start kind of i think working on that and sending that out and seeing if i can get some traction with that so that's the goal for my next piece that's that's really awesome i do remember you talking many years ago about doing a tv pilot i guess that's very back burner at this point is it? Well, you know, I'm not not interested in television. It's just that it's just that I, look, I, playwrights don't really make any money. The way you earn a living as a playwright is you either write for television or you go into academia. And I think your temperament kind of determines which mm. which of those things you're going to do. And I actually feel like my temperament is much more suited to academia. I really love working with college students. Prior to this job, I ran a graduate program in playwriting. And I just really like being around that energy, that new energy and sort of articulating what it is that we do as writers. And I, I love sitting around all day talking about plays. I mean, I live on a beautiful college campus and talk about theater all day. Like it's the best job in the world. So I'm really happy with that kind of nice middle-class college professor lifestyle. <laughs> and obviously I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't turn down a television offer, but it's, I'm not really thinking at this point in my life that I'm going to be moving out to LA and trying to like, you know, pound the pavement and, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. So that's cool. And, and yeah. from what I know about you, I, I, I can definitely understand the pull towards academia rather than Hollywood because they are very different environments. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 um, you know, academia really allows you to not be an absolute careerist at all moments, you know, which is, which is nice. I like that. Yeah. I like to be able to, it's nice to be able to read a book once in a while. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. So. I've actually started since, since I've, I guess, officially retired and that has to be in air quotes because I'm never going to be a retired person. But yeah. ever since I started collecting my government monthly checks <laughs> i've actually managed to read i think three books so i understand <laughs> and yeah i, I read like a, i read like a madman in the summer because obviously i'm not reading my students plays and plays that i'm teaching and things like that so the summer is my reading time i i love it but yeah it's um it's i'm 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 glad to be a playwright even though it's not the easiest art form to get buy on <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say what you were saying. when you're saying like oh you know i'm never gonna retire i'm thinking well i'm never gonna retire either because it's only been like six years that i've had an income before that i was just like <laughs> you know like working 10 jobs and making like twenty three thousand dollars a year and not sleeping so uh you know I, i'll be working for a long time at astro college i hope they know yeah well it's <laughs> 
it's a tenured position eventually, right? Are you? Are yes, you I'm on a, okay. I'm a tenure track. Yeah, yeah. I I started my tenure track over. I was actually hired at Vassar during the pandemic. I did my all my interviewing and everything on Zoom. So I have never actually worked at Vassar during like you know whatever normal times are. <laughs> so the are, are they? Are they? Doing in person, cl- I guess they have to be doing something in person if they're actually producing plays now. Um, yeah, apart apart from the first three months of the pandemic, we've been in person. Professors have had the option to teach remotely, especially some of the elderly professors chose that option. Or if you know people had you know were immunocompromised or something like that, mm. they could st- you know the professor could opt to to do it on Zoom. But the students really don't like it. Even during the run, I had to do a class on Zoom last week, and they hate when we have class on zoom they much rather <laughs> be together in person which is you wouldn't think that would be the case but it, it really is wow that's cool that's cool it, it, there's yeah there's something to be said for real human interaction in person there is there really is and theater theater kids really long for that i think right because yeah you can't do theater on zoom it's if i had to watch one more play on zoom i ugh, oh god I was <laughs> It's just, it's so untheatrical, right? It's just like a, it's just a flat screen with boxes. It's just doesn't. Yeah. I, I think the only people that actually pull it off was the David Tennant and Michael Sheen. He, oh. he's, he's, he's a British actor, not the, not, not the other guy, not the American actor, but they did, they did at least a season, maybe two seasons of this thing on Zoom. Like basically it was a Zoom, supposed to be a Zoom play. And mm. And it was it was good. <laughs> it's on Netflix. Tell people how to get tickets and see your play. Yes, that's a that would be good. <laughs> how do they get tickets to my play? Well, uh, Keen is spelled K E E N, and Keen Theater Company tickets are for sale on their website. They're also you can also find the tickets on sale in other places as well, like Today Ticks and things like that. That um, I guess that aggregate tickets. So um, if you look up Keen Company, the space between us, you'll be able to very easily find tickets. And it runs um, seven performances a week until April second at 7 p.m. and the matinees are at 2 p.m. And it's an hour and 40 minutes straight through, no intermission. So you're out by 8.40 and you're back on whatever train <laughs> you need to be on. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a tight and tidy full length. So awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. I am, I am really psyched to this. This will be, this will be like my first close encounter with other humans. Um, Oh, that was the other thing I have to ask you. Uh, Are they checking for vaccinations at the door or is there a mask policy? Yes. They're very strict about the um, vaccination status in New York city in general. It's pretty, um, pretty intense like even to go mm. into any restaurant you have to have your uh, vaccination card so yes they check your vaccination status and you must wear a mask at all times in the space so okay. the only people in the space that are not that are not masked are the actors that's um, kind of how i think it should be but I'm, yeah well the, and the house our house manager who's really badass will tell people right off right away if they try to take that mask down so uh <laughs> They're right there waiting. If anyone takes that mask off, they see them and they're like, hey, hey. So, uh, you know. Okay. It's a, um, it's what, a, it feels like a good safe space. Awesome. Thank you. I, I feel 
I'm comfortable about that. <laughs> that I'm doing a bunch of things this month. So it's like, I'm checking like, can I, because every weekend is something this month for me. So any other things that you want to tell our various listeners who are in, I think they're mostly local-ish, sort of, maybe. Did we? Oh, right. Oh, the play takes place in New Jersey. Um, oh, does it? I didn't know. Of course that. it does. Of course it does. No, the, the play takes place. His parents are from New Jersey and he lives in New York City. So uh, many of the scenes are in New Jersey and there'll be... My my other aunt Carol, she came to the to the show, and she was very tickled by all of the references to local uh, local uh, towns and malls and things like that that are <laughs> <laughs> that are referenced. So uh, yeah, it's a it's a it's a Jersey play by a Jersey writer. <laughs> um, I think almost all of my plays are set in New Jersey. Usually, so they're vaguely or... they're vaguely autobiographical ish. Oh <laughs> God, really yes. Weird. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. No, they are. I mean, I they're very, I, they're very close to my experience. They're not autobiographical, though. I mean, I'm definitely not like doing like a true story here. Um, okay. And all of the characters, I think, are amalgamations of people I know. There's a little bit of, you know, there is an aunt character. She's a nun, so she's it's you know not me. obviously not based on you. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, there's a little bit of all my aunts in that nun. Um, <laughs> because, because you know, I really grew up with an army of aunts who, like, you know, you know, helped take care of me and raise me. Thank God, you know. And so <laughs> there's often an aunt character in my plays. Um, and so in this one, it's, this one's no exception. But this time she is a sister. She is a, a, aunt, a Catholic and a sister. sister. And a sister. <laughs> exactly. How very Chinatown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did right. we ever, we never, I don't know if we ever talked about freedom, but I do no, think. No, we didn't. <laughs> I Not think, specifically. <laughs> um, there is one line in the play I'll say that, that, that the father says, where he says, you know, I've worked all my life and I will do what I want to do. And it is a moment of like sort of realizing like, yeah, what does freedom like what does freedom look like for each of us? It looks very different for each of us. And also what does that freedom cost us? I feel like that's something that that mm. we're looking at right now. Like we're, we're seeing what's happening in Ukraine and you're realizing like these people are willing to give away everything for freedom. I mean, the idea that like, it's almost baffles the imagination as an American, I think in 2022 in a way that maybe previous generations didn't feel this way. But, you know, the, the idea that, that we would be sitting in our apartment and making Molotov cocktails and throwing them out the window at tanks coming down the street feels like, wow, that is the, that is truly paying for freedom, right? In, in, a, in a very particular way. And what, what are we as Americans willing to give for that freedom or give for other people's freedom? I think it's, I think it's a, it's definitely a big question of the, the play. So. Mm, okay. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. And I uh, want to encourage everyone listening to the sound of our voices to, and if you're in the New York area or will be in New York between now and April 2nd, to go see this play. It's cheaper <laughs> than Hamilton. And yes. We're available. <laughs> <laughs> you can actually meet the playwright. You know, that's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Peter, for joining us today. And and I hope I get to see you in person soon. <laughs> yes, I'll be there at the show that you're coming to. Thanks okay. for having me. This was really fun.
You got questions, we got answers. And today's question is from my friend, Sarah Scott Hitchens. And she asks, what book scared you when you read it? Did you read it again? And what was the genre? And I guess I'm going first. <laughs> yeah, you're going uh, first because I don't have an answer. So go uh, for it. Okay. I lied. Um, I said we got answers. You got answers. <laughs> I got it. The book that scared me when I read it was a nonfiction book. So that's the genre. And it, the title of it was The Effects of Nuclear Weapons. And my dad got it for me when I was 12 and discovered that we were living eight miles from the Pentagon as the crow flies because the street maps of the area had mileage rings around centered on the Pentagon in Northern Virginia. And I figured wow. the only reason that they would do that is so you would know how far you are from ground zero in case of a nuclear attack. So, and I guess I'm bringing this up now because of the conflict in Ukraine and, and Putin's saber rattling saying, you know, everybody, people are, people are saying they're afraid of uh, a nuclear thing happening. And I've already lived through, I mean, my, one of my earlier memory, earliest memories is of the Cuban Missile Crisis. I remember my parents being very concerned. I was like three or five or somewhere around there. And I did read this book again. I referred to it many times over the course of my life. Uh, I still have it. And I got to the point where, because they had photos of a lot of the mushroom clouds from the various nuclear tests that were done in the Pacific Ocean. And I got to the point where if there was a clip of a nuclear explosion in a movie, I knew exactly which test it was from. Because wow. each one is very individual looking. They all look very different. Yeah. yeah. So, so that was it. <laughs> and so yeah, it scared scary. you or did you just, did you learn what to do in case of anything or what do you, uh, what do, you do if you're that close to it, right? It's just we were, we were definitely in the slag to glass radius of, because oh, yeah. I, well, it, it also, the book had um, this circular calculator that, that they used in, in Dr. Strangelove, actually. Um, I saw the guys, the actors like playing with this. Oh, that's the thing I have. And yeah, I mean, it, it didn't, it, I think that, that little calculator uh, maxed out at a megaton and I figured they were going to drop at least five megatons on the Pentagon. So yeah, we were not going to survive that. And I don't know that we'd survive it now where we are now. So, and I yeah. don't know that I'd want to either. I mean, I read That's... a lot of post-apocalyptic, uh, post-nuclear war science fiction since you know over the course of my life and uh i mean i learned from a canticle for Leibowitz, which took place i believe in florida so they were not close to any bombs but like they also you know like they said fill your bathtub with water you know that kind of thing so i it's things like yeah there's stupid things you learn and right. you know plant food <sighs> anyway that's anyway, my answer. Do you have a, a scary book? <laughs> I can't think of a scary book. I just, I'm glad. Uh, no, I have books that have moved me, books that have bored me, books that have, <laughs> I've learned from. <laughs> I can't think of one. And I have a scary movie, but I'll save that for a scary movie question sometimes. So. Okay. Well, I'll That's make that our next question. One of these days. Okay. Good question, though. Yes. Thank you for that question, Sarah. 
Well, I'm Robin Renee, and you can find me on Facebook at Robin Renee Fan or Instagram at Robin Renee Music and on Twitter at Spirit Rock Sexy. And if you hang out on Discord, you can connect with me there as Andrew Genus. And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Wendy Cards, on Twitter at Wendy Designs, and on Etsy at Wendy Cards with a Z. And I'm on Discord occasionally as a Vox Woman. Uh, I may be doing more Discord things soon because I'm finding other platforms want to use Discord to communicate. So I'll be on there. Awesome. (laughs) And remember, you can always reach out to us on social media at Leftscape. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions and we might answer it on an upcoming show. So until next time, be well. Say gay. And keep left. You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.